Hey y'all, welcome back to the Power and Lifting Podcast. I'm your host, Solana Lewis. Today, I'm stoked because I got to speak with Brittany Chown. Y'all, she's been competing in piloting for over seven years. I've been following her for so long. I don't even know when I started, but we had such a great conversation just about her involvement in the sport of piloting as both an athlete and a coach. Goals for her business was like to run a, a coaching business and just really getting to know her in a way that I've never heard her have the opportunity to share about herself. So it was really, really dope. I hope you all enjoy it. Make sure you like, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating and a review. We're also on YouTube now. So if you're on YouTube, please do follow so you know when we're dropping our podcast episodes on the tube. And let's dive into today's episode. All right, y'all. I am here with Brittany Chown. I'm excited because literally a year ago, <laughs> a full year ago, after you competed at Showdown, I was like, hey, I introduced myself to you. And I was like, you got to come on a podcast someday. And then a year has passed. And I was like, it's time. I need to get you on the podcast. I've been watching you. You're doing some cool stuff. How are you today? I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm doing all right, girl. I mean, like, it's five o'clock and dark. So I'm like adjusting to that and semi sad, but besides that, I'm good. Yeah, I'm on the West Coast, so it's still bright and sunny outside right now. <laughs> I know. What's the weather right now for you? It's actually not so bad today. It's been really cold and raining. Like we went, we went from like 90 degrees a couple weeks ago to like it's now like in the 50s and cold, and it was just such a oh. quick change that I was like not adjusted to it but today is probably a little bit better like 60s maybe we got a little bit of sunshine a little bit <laughs> all right i thought you're gonna say like it's cold it's 70 i was gonna be like i hate you but i i will say 50s cold so <laughs> i grew i grew up on the coast so i'm used to like cold weather like i didn't grow up in like sunny hot california right like it was cold all the time so now that i'm actually in an area that's like sunny and warm a lot of the time for me for sure i'm like all right i know cold guys i <laughs> the coast gets cold that is fair that is fair i think i might be stereotypical i'm like oh if you're over there it's just warm all the time right like no solana it's not <laughs> i am false <laughs> Oh my gosh. But, okay, so I've been following you for, like, a while now. Like, I don't know how many years, but quite a few years of my life. <laughs> and I've always admired you. One thing might be your hair, because you're always changing it. But besides just your hair, <laughs> I know you started powerlifting when I started, actually. Because I started in 2015. That's when you started, right? Yeah, my first competition was 2015. So how did you kind of get into it from the beginning? Um, I would say it was all kind of started from like track and field in college. Like we were lifting as part of our track and field training and I, I enjoyed the lifting part more than I thought I would. I was actually like the first year I hated it. I was crying in the gym. Like I was not a fan of lifting, but as my strength kind of grew, my confidence grew with it. I really started to love it. So then once my like track eligibility was done, I was like, I need to do something competitive. Still, I'm a very competitive person. So not having something to be like training for was kind of driving me nuts. Um, 
So I found out you could compete in lifting, and I was like, that's neat. I, I already do that, right? So why not just jump into that? And um, yeah, my first competition 2015 fell absolutely in love with the sport. And now, I mean, I've done like 20 meets, 21 meets maybe now. Crazy. <laughs> So many. When you were in track and field, were you in college? Yeah, I I've, I ran track most of my life. I started at age nine, um, doing competitive like track and field, and all the way through college. So like thirteen, fourteen years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, girl, what division were you in? Uh, college, I just did division two. I stayed local to home because I was kind of afraid to like. <laughs> I I got some D one offers, but I was just too afraid to like leave my hometown for at first so um i ran track at humboldt state nice little d2 school it was fun i loved it what were your uh events uh mainly i was a jumper long jump high jump triple jump um and then i also did sprints 100 meter four by one I love this. Okay, wait. So I did. Now I'm sure you clearly better than me because I was like looking at D three schools, so I was not that good. But I did triple jump, long jump, and then I tried the hundred and two hundred, and I learned I'm a four hundred runner. Like I could never get the speed to like be fast from the beginning, but like once I sped up, I was good. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I can't hold my speed. So I actually was the kind of sprinter that like out of the blocks, I was the fastest. Like I was very explosive out of the blocks, but everyone would catch up to me because I was not able to hold my top speed. So what's funny is like in outdoor track, the hundred meters, the shortest race, and it was too long for me. I needed like a 50 meter race. <laughs> like I would get caught halfway through it because I just could not hold that top end speed. Yeah. Running, like, running fascinates me because, like, it's actually really freaking hard to, like, get faster. Like, you know, in my mind, because I've been doing it for so long, like, getting stronger is not nearly as complicated as, like, okay, we got to figure out what to do to get you faster when you're already fast. Like, I commend all track and field coaches because I'm like, I, cr I just don't comprehend what to do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a whole different world. It's so, it's so technical. It's crazy. Oh my god! What was your favorite event though? Long jump, hundred percent. That was always my. I thought you were gonna say high jump. No, I I like high high jump was really fun to do, but I wasn't as good at it. I think long jump was always my best event, so it was just kind of my baby. You know, it was like my I cared the most about it for sure. Fair, even like with the triple triple jump, so much technique, but it was fun <laughs> to me just because it was more stuff in it like <laughs> yeah oh, triple jump. I, I nightmares still of trying to get my triple jump <gasps> form down it's just it was so hard i was so bad at it because i again i'm just a very explosive person so long jump made more sense to me it was just sprint as fast as you can and just jump like just <laughs> jump triple jump with so much finesse and like skill you had to have and i would just try to rush through it and my coaches were always like yeah that's not gonna work Oh my god, and like when you watch it on the Olympics and you watch them like glide for each jump and you watch the arms perfectly go with the legs, I'm like, no. Like, this is why I live now. Like, it's not that complicated. I love watching jumps at like the Olympics or just like on TV. It's just, when done right, it's just so beautiful to watch. It's incredible. 
I think the only artist, the only other event that I didn't do but love to watch, pole vault fascinated me. Like, just watching, like, cause again, it's all coordination. It's like, you gotta stick it, and then you have to bring your legs up at the right time and fly at the right time. And I'm like, oh my god. And when they nail it, it's amazing, and when they don't, it's hilarious, cause you just watch them. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was always too afraid to try pole vault. I just pictured myself being the one that has the pole snap and just falling on my face i was like yeah that's never gonna i'm never trying that <laughs> say my coach tried so hard i tried it once and like when i tell you i put the pole down and do like a baby jump and stuff forget it and like, he was pissed like i was like i'm not doing this <laughs> oh, oh my god all right so you were doing track and field for a while did some jumping events so when you got into actual power lifting like, obviously, you were already lifting for track and feels. So that's why you liked it. But what kind of made you, like, stay in your specific federation? I know you do USPA. You started APA, first meet ever. But you're mostly doing USPA meets. I'm always just curious, like, because there's a bajillion federations. But in my mind, so y'all already know, people listening, I'm USAPL, and you can call me an elitist if you want to. I don't care. But at the end of the day, when someone's really freaking strong and drug tested, I do wonder why they stay not USAPL. So why don't you want to stay over there? All right. Here's the – I'll try to condense it. So first off, um, in the area that I started powerlifting, there was, like, no USAPL meets. It was, it was pretty much USPA was the meets out here. Um, APA was around two at first. That's why I did a few APA meets. Um, but then that kind of disappeared. And then now this area is very dominated by USPA. So that was just kind of what I had. Um, so obviously I got used to using a deadlift bar, right? I got used to 24 hour weigh-ins. Like you just kind of have your routine, right? And what you're used to. Um, as I've gotten stronger and like more competitive, obviously there has been a lot of like, I would like to try USAPL meet. I'm interested in, like, what how I would stack up against the competition there. Um, but the main thing, I will say, the main thing that was holding me back for most of my, you know, real competitive career um, was the two-hour weigh-in. I cut, you know, 10, 12 pounds to be a 181 lifter. And so that just wasn't realistic to try to do that in a two-hour <laughs> weight cut. And I just also wasn't, I think mentally ready to be competing in the next class up and then also back in the day the usapl classes were a lot different and that always kind of messed things up yeah. for me as well but now that usapl has the same weight classes as everyone else that makes it a little bit easier also i am going up a weight class now i have decided um, my last meet that i just did in october was my last 181 meet um so i'm not gonna say that I'm not looking into some USAPL meets right now. Next year, I <laughs> next year I already am pretty much um, planned out. I'm doing all WRPF tested meets actually, um, mostly just because I wanted to do the American Pro. It just looked um, like such a fun time. And again, that's kind of my thing too. Is I just want to go where the meets look like fun, and I'm gonna have a good time with my friends. And also, if there's a little bit of money in the tested world, that's always a plus, too. So the, the American Pro is doing a tested day this year. So I was like, I'm going to jump on that, check it out. Um, but for 2024, I do have a goal of getting at least one USAPL meet in under my belt just to see how I like 
how I like it, right? Because I've never tried. I've never competed on a stiff bar with a two-hour weigh-in. Um, I want to see what I can do. And at, an, at the weight class that I'm going to be in now, I don't have to cut at all, which is so nice. I'm really excited about that. So hopefully I can maintain my weight for a while. And uh, 2024, we'll see. I'm definitely interested in trying a USAPL meet for sure. Okay, so Juan, of course it makes me excited. Which <laughs> um, seriously, I was super stoked about that. Because again, I've always like kind of wondered that. But like, obviously, I haven't talked to you a lot, so I can't be like, let me just DM her randomly. Like, why don't you come over here? <laughs> like, that'd be kind of weird. Um, so I just DM me about the podcast so I can ask you here. But, <laughs> so, when you, you were talking about going up a weight class, I remember watching or seeing a post, and you mentioned doing a 90 kilo, like going to 90. I think it was before your last meet. Did you, like, think about going but then do one more meet at 82.5? Is that what happened? No, I always have had the plan of I was finishing out this year, um, 82.5, and then 2023 was the year I was going to start competing at 90. Um, so that, that's always been the plan. It's just, yeah, these last few meets definitely solidified it, though. Like, my cuts were pretty brutal, and it was just like, this is just not <laughs> worth it anymore. <laughs> you know, so I'd rather go up and be a little bit light in my class for a while, but just feel better going into meet day, not, you know, having just dehydrated and depleted myself. It's going to be really nice. I'm excited. <laughs> so I kind of want to stay on the topic of weight cuts for a few reasons. Number one, you guys do have a 24 hour weigh in. So I've never experienced that. And I know the cuts are very different. Like for me, if you want my lifters and only like, I would say three of them cut like for nationals only the rest are like not doing nationals. So I'm like, no, <laughs> we're not cutting, but like the max I'll let them cut. Cause most of mine are like middle to lightweight is like five to six pounds, right? Like max. I'm like, we surpassed that. Nope. Sorry. We're not cutting. I'm not helping you. Like you want to do it on your own and you're not going to like it. So what is it like? Like, can you kind of explain the process of like a 10 to 12 pound weight cut? Because most of my listeners even are USAPL and they probably never, they have no idea what that's like. Yeah. So first of all, I mean, I am a like, I mean, 181 class, I'm a little bit bigger. So 12 pounds isn't as large of a percent, I would say. So honestly, even for, I know people who are doing way <laughs> further like way worse cuts but for me um it, it's it it's not too bad it's more of just like having to be super on point with like water manipulation so you know the water load is started like eight days out from weigh-ins i'm starting to really make sure i'm upping my water intake my salt intake carb intake kind of like loading up on all that and then as we're getting closer to weigh-ins um, we're dropping off salt and carbs, keeping water really high. Um, usually by the end of just the water load and water cut, I've already lost like five pounds and that's not with sweating or anything else. So that's always pretty nice just cause it's a pretty easy five pound drop for me with my, like what my body responds to. Um, and then the rest is just sweating it out. And that always is the worst part. Like honestly, I can handle the water load, water cut just fine. Like to me, that's not too big of a deal. It was the like spending hours trying to sweat out every, everything else that just really got to me. And I just was getting so miserable. It's just like, this is not what I want to do moving forward anymore. <laughs> it's rough. How many meets did you do 
like not cutting? I don't know if you like have a number in your head, but like, did you mostly cut for all meats, like even from the beginning? I know you started at seventy five kilo. Um, so my first couple meats, I not really. Um, when I was competing at first as a seventy five kilo lifter, I was pretty small. I was like in the one fifties, one sixties. I'm five nine, so that I was pretty tiny. I I, I was definitely needing to put on some weight and go up, but I was very. Um, what's the word? I was like afraid, I guess, of like gaining weight. And that was probably my runner track background of like needing to stay super slim. Right. So once I finally got over that and was like, it's okay, like build some muscle, gain some weight. Um, I did have to cut for my last couple 75 kilo meets because I started walking around like in the one seventies. But even then I was only cutting like five pounds. I'd cut like 170 to, to, uh, 165. Um, and that wasn't bad. That was mostly just water manipulation, maybe a quick little like um, Epsom salt bath or something, but it wasn't very much. Um, then I decided to go up a weight class to the 82.5, 181 weight class. And the first couple meets, I wasn't cutting at all. I was just walking in, competing, which was really nice. Um, but then, I don't know, I hit a point with lifting where I feel like all of a sudden I was wanting to carry a more weight than I ever had like all of a sudden it was like my body didn't want to be under like 185 it seems like it was a pretty quick like I only did a couple meets as like a 181 lifter before all of a sudden I'm starting to sit higher than that and needing to cut a lot sooner than I think I was anticipating to have to start cutting for that weight class um so most of my 181 meets I had to cut maybe nothing too crazy like five pounds again just mostly water manipulation maybe a quick epsom salt bath but it really wasn't until the showdown last year where i think i was really starting to have to do these bigger like 10 pound plus water cuts so and that was when i knew i was going to be outgrowing this class because like now i'm getting to the point where my body wants to sit in the low 190s so it's like okay this is just not (laughs) it's not very ideal anymore to be trying to fit into that weight class. And I think that's a good thing. It shows that like your body, like you're building muscle, you're getting stronger, you're like filling out. So it's, to me, it's like not that big a deal. Like I'm just going to be continuing to like move up when I need to. And I think that's been one of the better things for my career is not letting myself get attached to a weight class and just being like, Hey, look, I outgrew that one. Cool. Let's move up. And just not, having much more concern than that. <laughs> and, you know, that's difficult to do because especially as female athletes and like, yeah, we're strength athletes, right? So like we get, you, you hit a point where you're like, actually muscle's pretty cool and I'm pretty happy that like I'm putting on muscle. But I feel like mentally there can be this like, oh no, but moving up a weight class, oh gosh, like that's a big deal. And for me personally, like I was a 63, my whole yeah, my whole career until we changed weight classes and like me going up to 67.5 because 60 for me wasn't happening. I'm 5'6". Like me being 132 pounds, it, it's not going to be cute and I'm going to be very angry and bitter. <laughs> like, it would not work for me. And I had to walk around like 137. I'm like, I haven't been 137 since I was like 20. So like, I'm not doing this. But like I was in shock. I thought I was like my body image was great and I was like panicking over like the fact that my weight class is higher so like just the fact that you're saying like you know you've accepted like moving weight class is no big deal like that's like very admirable because i want to say the same thing but i was in, in such shock 
that in my mind it was such a like I was talking about it to my coach every day like are you sure we shouldn't cut down are you sure are you sure? for like three months straight and he was like Solana please like please shut up like I can't with you <laughs> it's hard like you said I I mean we do tend to get in our heads about weight like more so than I think a lot of the guys do it's you do kind of hold this like attachment to it or a fear of being bigger and that's something that obviously I've it's taken me a long time to get over I mean like I said my first few meets I was weighing like 150 something pounds at 5'9 and in my head I thought that was big right I'm in my head I'm thinking I need to cut to like the 148 weight class like because to me anything over 150 that to me like in my how I was like raised in the track and field world to me, like that was heavy. That was big. Like all the girls I knew were so tiny and lean. And so it was really hard for me initially to like accept the fact that I was going to be heavier in my perception right now. I'm looking back and I'm like 150 pounds. I was tiny. I was tiny. <laughs> like, uh, if I could have got myself to move up a little faster, it would have been a lot better. But it took time, right? I mean, that's that was eight years ago almost now. So it's it's been a process. But I've definitely learned to accept the weight gain and be happier in my body no matter what the weight is. So And it really is, like, life-changing, like, when you do that, too, because you'll realize, like, your body does want to just sit heavier as you keep lifting. Like, I was in shock because, so I was sitting, what was I sitting at? I don't know, let's say 143, because the weight class was 138, and then when I was like, okay, I accepted moving up, I gained six pounds in, like, a month and just stayed there. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm satiated. I was like, I was hungry! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I did not know how hungry I was because now I'm not hungry ever. So I'm like, oh my God. I, I just ignored, like, I like suppressed being hungry in my mind to the point where I was like, no, everyone's always a little hungry. That's cool. And it's like wild because like, it makes me like a hypocrite because I do coach nutrition and I try really hard to give people like a positive mindset. And like, obviously I don't want anyone to be like, no, I have to be smaller all the time. But I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know I had the same problem. <laughs> Uh, but that just goes to show, too, as coaches, like, we're not perfect. <laughs> no. Like, we are dealing with the same thing. It's just we're not going to post that on Instagram all the time. <laughs> like, maybe sometimes. To be real, to, like, yeah. keep it real. But, like, not all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, I know you're also a coach. Are you a full-time powerlifting coach? Um pretty much i mean i i do have a kind of part-time job i do which is i i'm an instructor at a small like personal training school so i help people get um their like personal training certifications but that's just like a couple hours of class each night so it's a pretty chill gig um but yeah my main job i would say is powerlifting coaching i think i have about like 30 clients right now which is awesome um keeps me busy and it's I love it I it's what I wanted to do once I really fell in love with this sport I knew that was kind of where I was headed I actually went to grad school to be a track coach um 
Oh. That was my oh. that was my plan, right? That was my life plan ever since I was like 10 years old was I love track. I'm going to coach track. I'm going to be in the track industry like that world all my life. And it's so funny that sometimes once you you realize your dream, you realize it actually isn't good for you. Like I did start doing some track and field coaching out of college and it just really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I think part of it was like especially for like the NCAA when you're picturing coaching you're thinking of just being out on the track with your athletes right but so much of it is all the behind the scenes recruiting eligibility office work and I hated it (laughs) I just hated it all I wanted to do was just be on the field like that's it I didn't want to do the other stuff I don't want to do the administrative part of coaching that's boring like that sucks so I kind of realized it just wasn't for me, but I already had this like love for coaching and love for working with athletes. So once I fell in love with powerlifting and kind of realized like, oh, I can still work with athletes. I can still coach people, help people realize their goals. And I don't have to deal with the the NCAA. Like, awesome. (laughs) So, you know, like. What you're saying reminds me of when I wanted to become a strength and conditioning coach before I became a full-time powerlifting coach. And then I'm, I had a conversation with a strength conditioning coach. Yeah. <laughs> I That was my, after it's, the track thing didn't pan out, I was like, ooh, strength and conditioning, let's go that route. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. no, we're still dealing with the double NCAA. We're still, like, in that world, the politics of being in a collegiate atmosphere. It was not for me, especially being a woman trying yeah. to get into the strength and conditioning world. Like my, my mentors didn't take me seriously. My, like the people who were supposed to be kind of helping me in that world, just, I don't know. I really don't think they actually believed I was capable of being like a successful coach. And I do believe a lot of that was just that I was a woman and there, it was the school I was at for co- when I was going to grad school and like, um, getting into coaching, coaching at the it track and in the strength and conditioning room, there was a definitely a big culture of like, this is the man's job, right? Like the strength and conditioning room, it's men in here, right? And I just always felt like I was, like I didn't belong and it sucked. And I just was, again, immediately like, you know, this just doesn't feel like the environment for me. So I'm happy that I was able to like walk away from that and be like, you know, we're going to go another route for coaching. Like, every word you just said describes why I was like, never mind. Like, especially when I talked to someone in the field, and not only was it clearly just, like, not taking, like, did not take women seriously, but the hours are horrifying. Like, the amount of work the person who was doing the strength and conditioning coaching for, like, a football team, should say, it's horrifying. Like, you're on the road, you're traveling with them all the time, and then, like, you're there till, like, late at night. You're taking care of all the athletes' problems. I'm like, oh. And then, like, learning the pay, I was like, so you have to slowly climb this ladder. Like, the pay starts out yeah. terrible, and you're, like, people have told me, like, it's hard to even have a family in this job because you are just always with the athletes. Like, good luck, everyone in family. I was like, okay, never mind. Like, <laughs> this is not it. <laughs> Yeah, that was a big wake-up call, too, was, like, unless you're the head strength coach at, like, a high-level program, like, you're not making a livable wage. (laughs) So it's like, okay. Yeah, like, you work in the weekends. (laughs) Yeah, it's not worth it. Like, especially the, 
the avenue that like powerlifting has opened up and the ability to still get to coach athletes, like high level athletes, still getting to like do all those things I love, but on my own terms, on the times I want to do it, the hours I want, the pay I want, like that was a huge, like, I don't know. It was, it's just so exciting. I think to have all this, all these like dreams that you want and like you picture it happening one way, right? I'm picturing it happening in like the collegiate world. And then when it kind of falls apart, it's disheartening and it takes a lot to kind of keep pushing through. Um, but I'm just glad I did. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm at a point now where I can't see myself doing anything else. Like this is all that stuff definitely led me to the path I was supposed to be on. So it's so exciting now. <laughs> And, like, working for yourself, like, what is your favorite part? You just said, you know, you get to pay yourself, you get to work your hours. But, like, what is also, like, amazing about working for yourself? Because I also, same job, freaking love it. I'm, I'm, like, living my dream, really, I am. Like, from my little attic in my house, <laughs> working on my little hours. But is there yeah. anything else about it that makes you, like, so happy that you get to do this career? I, every time I'm at a meet and I'm, like, handling one of my athletes – I think it just, it really reminds me how much I love it. Like seeing someone else succeed and knowing that you had even just, you know, a small piece of that success and you're sharing it with them. Like I just, there's nothing like that. And I, and honestly, I feel like I would have felt that in the collegiate world too, but there's something about that coach athlete relationship and powerlifting too. That's just different. Like you, I feel like you do get closer to people than I would have in any other setting. So I like, that's my favorite part is just building those relationships with people and just getting to see them succeed and share in those successes. And it's just, it's incredible. I love everything about it. So, yeah. Do you do all of your coaching online or some in person too? Uh, I definitely do both. It's gone more to online. I think especially after COVID, I saw a pretty big swing in my um, roster being mostly online clients, whereas before I was working with quite a few people in person, and then that kind of fell apart, obviously, with uh, with COVID. And, and realistically, I just didn't feel the need to pick it back up like crazy just because I had the roster online that I wasn't necessarily needing to do a bunch of in-person training. I do have a few clients I still see in person, especially like my beginners that are wanting to learn like how to get into powerlifting. Um, I definitely have a lot more, um, like the only people I work with in person at this point is usually just my, my beginners who are wanting to get into it. And then once they're confident in their lifts, we kind of switch to just a programming only approach and then I'm still around obviously for all my local athletes um I'm handling and going to meets and all of that so nice and how did you originally pursue getting your athletes um it's mostly social media I mean <laughs> it is what it, I mean I I think like I didn't even really mean to like grow a following per se. Like it just kind of, I think being in this world for a long time and you just kind of, eventually you just start realizing like I have all these people who I'm connecting with online. That's crazy. Like it, you don't even mean to, it's just 
like that community online is so amazing and it just grows and um so i would say like 90 percent of my clientele are most likely um just people i've connected with through instagram through social media through tiktok now actually i've been getting people who are finding me through tiktok now which is crazy um <laughs> but uh I, I mean, definitely still have a few people that it's, like, just from getting to know them locally in gyms at competitions. Um, so I, I'm still, like, reaching out to people that way, too. But I would say, like, the majority of getting, like, clientele is social media. It's just creating those relationships online. Yeah, that's how I got um, pretty much my entire clientele, too. But I always like to ask how, like, you were in person where you, like, were you like knocking on doors? Like, what were we doing to get? <laughs> and also, it's cool you're fun. You're getting people off TikTok because some people like they transfer content over to TikTok and it does really well. Is your TikTok content like the same as your Instagram content, or do you like make it different? It's different. I. It's so funny. TikTok is such a weird place. Like, you just never know what videos are going to like get traction and which ones aren't so I feel like Instagram is more my day-to-day -day, like here's what I'm doing here's my training just kind of your typical like training log kind of style content um, and then TikTok I can kind of make funnier videos or I can like turn some of the trends into like powerlifting themed you know like it's just kind of fun like you can be a little more creative on it um, so my content's definitely different over there, um, and I've somehow, like, even just in, like, the year I've started posting on there, I've gained enough traction that I actually have, like, a community I'm starting to build there, too, which is really fun. And especially, for me, I really love working with, like, younger women who are really wanting to get into strength training, like, I'm really passionate about that. And so I'm kind of learned like most of the demographic of like teenagers or like, you know, early twenties, like women, like they're on TikTok. Like that is the social media platform for that generation. And so if that, if that's the, the demographic I want to work with, that's where I need to be. So that's kind of what my thought process has been over the last year and just trying to kind of build up, um, content on that platform as well. And it's been working. It's been fun. Something different. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, if you have specific clients who you like to work with. So you just said women who are younger getting the strength training. So my question for you is when you are talking to someone, how do you know if they'll be a good fit for you? Like, yes, I know you have an application, right? Duh, right? But, like, yeah. do you, like, how do you know, like, this person's a good fit? And then do you ever refer someone out when you have, like, a gut feeling they won't be a good fit? So I have a lot of questions I ask um, just to kind of get a, a feeling for that person's like where they're at in their strength training journey, stuff like that. I'm not super like, I'm not really going to turn anyone down right away. It's more so like we kind of give it a trial period, right? Like you're kind of working together for a few months. You're trying to kind of figure out communication styles. And honestly, the people who do really well, I think, um, with me are, are the people who are, like, communicative. Like, they're willing to, like, hey, today didn't go well, and here's why I think why. Because I think a lot of people are too afraid to, like, talk to their coach when things aren't going well. 
Um, and those people, I would say, like, aren't always the best fit for me because, I, I mean, I can't read your mind. You know, I'm not going to be able to adjust training correctly or make modifications or help you out if I don't know what's going wrong. So a lot of the times it's kind of a couple months we see how things are going. I'm kind of assessing, like, communication with them. And if I'm if I'm feeling like there's just kind of a wall up and they're just not giving me much, um, I have had to tell people, like, I don't think that this is really the best fit for you because I don't feel like I'm helping you right now. Um, but luckily that hasn't happened, had to happen often. I think most of the time, um, once I kind of tell them to, like, this is what I'm, I need as your coach, like, I need you to talk to me, a lot of them start to open up a little bit more and that always helps. Yeah, and that's really good because you're right. Like, communication is what makes or breaks coaching, especially when you're mainly online. And I think sometimes yeah. people go into it not realizing how much work they have to do on their part that's not just going into the gym. Like, the communication is the other 50% <laughs> of the coaching, right? So yeah. is there ever, is there ever, like, I want to ask this question. Um, When you're talking to someone and they're inconsistent with even showing up to the gym, someone like that, is that a person that you would still be willing to take on? Online yeah, coaching. I, Online coaching. Yeah. I I do. I'm pretty flexible. So, I mean, I do have a few clients that are a little more inconsistent. Um, they're maybe trying to get in three times a week. And some weeks it's just a single session. Some weeks it's two sessions. Um, and it, it can be frustrating that you're writing out this training that's not really getting done the way you're wanting it to be done. But I also understand that not everybody has the time in the day that I have. Like, I've, I have most of my day open for training, so, like, I got no excuse if I didn't make it in there. But I realize, like, people got families and full-time jobs and school, and if maybe they can only get in here and there and it's going to be a little inconsistent, as long as they're still like wanting that guidance from me, I'm going to keep adjusting it and making it work for them as best I can um, until it just feels like it's not worth it for them anymore, which that happens too when you're like on the client end, if you're paying for a service and you're struggling to even be able to like do what you're supposed to do on your end. Like it makes sense too sometimes to pull back and be like, do I really want to continue paying for this service that I'm not necessarily getting the most out of? So, I mean, we work with it as best we can and keep making adjustments, keep tweaking the program, the schedule as much as we can to make it work. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, we go our separate ways. But I do have a lot, I would say, I, not a lot, but I do have a few people that um, I do have to make a lot of modifications for. And honestly, I don't, I don't mind. I feel like that, like that's my job, right? That's what I'm here to do is to make those changes when life is messing up their schedule. I'm going to be the one that's going to try to continue tweaking it, making it work for them until we find something that works. Love it. Love it. And love that's it. really a good perspective to have on it because there's like two sides to it, right? Like there's number one, which you're saying, which is hundred percent, right? Like if the person's life is different because life happens, you should be willing as a coach to adjust and be like, okay, you were doing four days, let's do three days, like whatever we got to do. 
every once in a while, I'll get the person who straight up, no matter what, they're going to come in, one, they show up once a week, and it's like a different list of excuses every week. That's extremely rare because, thankfully, and I want to ask you the same question, too. Since you post so often and you're, like, you're kind of known for being, like, the powerlifting coach, like, people probably aren't coming up to you for yoga, right? So are you easily finding, like, the people who find you, are they typically a good match for you? Yeah. And again, I, I do think a lot of it is I try to market myself as a pretty flexible coach. I, I'm not the coach that's going to yell at you, right? I'm not the coach that's going to be super cold and like force you to do things all the time that are so outside of your comfort zone. Cause I know there are people out there that want that. Like there are athletes who want a coach that's going to be a little mean to them, right? Like I know that that's mm-hmm. <laughs> what some people want or so what some people need. And I do let people know when we first start talking about coaching styles, like that's not me. I'm never going to try to put you down or force you into something. If you tell me you're not comfortable doing something, I'm not going to force it. We're done with that. We try something else. Um, So I do let people know, like I am a pretty flexible coach. I'm going to do whatever I can to make that training work for this person, no matter what it is. Um, to, to an extent, right? I mean, there's like, I got to have boundaries too, obviously, but I, I really do think that a lot of the times the people who come to me, they are looking for more of that, like, uh, what's the word for it? Like more, a little bit more compassion, a little bit more understanding than I think sometimes the typical, like meathead powerlifting coach is going to be. So... Brittany, who the hell wants to be young? What are you talking about who doesn't want a nice coach? No, I straight up talk to people and I've actually had to turn someone away because they're like, I want someone to yell at me. I'm not going to work out unless you're like mean to me. And I was like, oh, well, that's not me. I am not that person. wild you know what it is though i think i'm so biased because i used to have the coach that was like a jerk and i was like no i'll never be that coach and i won't work with anyone like that so now i'm like who on the earth would ever want that but that's because i hate it maybe there's someone out there probably most if i had to guess mostly men if i had to get mostly men is that what's happening i would think so yeah there's but, but not always no, there's, there's definitely this, like, I think people who grew up with that very drill sergeant style coach, like maybe in sports in college or high school, like if that's kind of what they're used to, the coaching style they've kind of had most of their life, maybe that's all they know and that's what they want. Um, I never did well with those style of coaches in, like, I did have some in high school that were kind of that way. And I just never responded well to it, as I don't think a lot of people do. So, yeah, similar to you, I was like, that's not who I want to be, you know. Yeah, I'm, we're on the same page. That's all that matters. Uh, <laughs> y'all, if you want, like, the angry coach, don't come to um, Brittany Chow. Don't come to Solano Liz Training. It's not going to work out for you. <laughs> Uh, I even tell my clients, like, I'm the person, I will send them a text, and it's just a straightforward text, like, it'll blatantly be like, hey, like, you fell forward in the hole, and that's why, like, you didn't hit that, but then I'll send a voice message, like, hey, just say no, I wasn't yelling, I was just, like, straight up telling you, <laughs> and then I'll send a video later on, like, here's an example of what she wants you to do, I'm smiling in the video, I'm like, just say no, I wasn't yelling at you. <laughs> Like I, like, I literally get nervous that my text, because I'm not, I don't like to use a bunch of emojis, 
And you know how people be weird? Like, if you use a period wrong, people get weird. Yeah. Which is funny, because I'd be, I be receiving stuff. Like, if you use periods to me, I'm like, ooh, oh, someone has an attitude today. Okay. <laughs> but I'm, like, trying to, I use that. I project on the artist. I'm like, oh, they think I'm yelling. I'm like, no, they're not. they probably don't think that's Lana. Like, it's just the period. It's fine. No, I get it. I tend to always try to form my criticisms in the, like, compliment sandwich, right? Where I'm like... If I'm going to tell them something that needs work or that we got to fix, I'm not just going to be like, hey, we got to fix this. It's usually like, all right, so that set, this was really great. You did this so good. I'm so excited. We're seeing progress here. But you're like, here's the next piece that we got to work on. But honestly, overall, we're doing great. You know, <laughs> like I'm trying to <laughs> yes. in a way where I'm like, please don't think I'm being mean to you. Like, I'm really excited. We're doing good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So earlier you said you have about 30 clients. What are your next business goals? Like not next business, like in the same business. <laughs> yeah. Like what are my goals moving forward with my business? Yes. <laughs> yes. Y'all blame it on the fact that I was sick, a sick a few days ago. I feel like I can't form sentences. So my bad, but go ahead. <laughs> no, that's a good question. I, I would like to work towards maintaining a little bit, like a, a more more clients on my roster. I do it slowly though, just because I don't want to ever feel like I've taken on too much and then I'm like struggling. So um, I do have a goal. Like I would like to increase my client load like in small numbers at a time so I can kind of figure that out. I do want to do more seminars. I really like hosting seminars. They're really fun. Um, right now I've only ever done them locally here, but Hey, if anyone like wants me to come out somewhere, let me know. Um, I love putting on seminars, especially for like sumo deadlifts. That's kind of my, like, I love working with clients who want to like get better at the technique of a like beautiful sumo pull. Um, so I love hosting like those kinds of seminars. I'd love to do that more. Um, and be able to travel for doing seminars, I think would be super, super fun. So those are definitely some, some current goals I have. Nice. I also want to start putting on seminars. I've only ever done webinars. Like oh, I've okay. yet to do an in-person seminar. And I'm like, so my coach was saying that she was like, we gotta do that. And I'm like, no, I just haven't done it. I know it can be a lot. It can be a lot of work. Um, but man, they're, they're so much fun. I've done like three, I think out here in Sacramento and they're always a good time. Do you put them on by yourself or is it you partnering with another coach? Um, just me by myself. Um, I'm really lucky. I, I train at a gym that lets me host things there. So, um, just kind of done some small seminars by myself, but, um, would definitely be open to like collaborations and traveling and I don't know I just I love the community aspect of powerlifting and I feel like seminars are one of those ways where you kind of build on that community and it's it's really fun yeah I think for for me the reason I want to do some in person is because I'm extremely comfortable by myself I'm starting to realize I'm scarily comfortable being alone like I live <laughs> alone I have two cats and if it weren't for the fact that I want to go, to, like, I go to a powerlifting gym, I would be in the house six days a week and not leave it, except to get sunlight and go for a walk. And, like, that'd be yeah. the extent of it. So, like, you know, my whole business is online. And I'm like, 
I think I should push myself a little bit to not only do in-person coaching on Mite. <laughs> like, that's yeah, a goal for Solana. Like, I should leave the house. <laughs> baby steps, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I love that. Do you have any goals in life outside of your powerlifting business? Yeah, so right now the main one is being able to own a home. Um, I live in California, so it's hard. <laughs> um, that is definitely like my priority, like life goal right now is saving money, getting my credit up, doing all the things that you gotta do to be able to get a house. Um, yeah, the market out here is pretty rough, but it's getting better. So I'm like, my goal is like one to two years, like hoping to be in that place we'll see but that's definitely the biggest like life goal right now awesome yeah it's expensive out there girl like god <laughs> yeah. bless like i mean truly i was talking to my friend uh my friend who lives in california and i was like so you're gonna like buy a house out there <laughs> i was saying like are you able to pay for a house out there? She was like, girl, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, She's like, I want to leave. My partner wants to stay. <laughs> like, You know what's crazy is, like, I'm in a one-bedroom apartment. Like, a pretty run-of-the-mill, not, not a very nice place. Like, very average. And, like, our rent just keeps going up. And at this rate, like, we're paying more here than we would be for a mortgage. So it's just dumb. It's like, I we got to figure out. Me and my boyfriend, like, we're, like, trying to figure it out. We just got to make make it work somehow because it's not fun spending like a large amount on a one-bedroom apartment <laughs> i'm like i want a house yeah want space. like so we're working towards it i think it's coming along hopefully nice nice do you have any goals of making money outside of powerlifting um, not necessarily at the moment. Um, I want to continue at the school that I'm teaching at, um, just because I love it. I like grew up very much into academics. I loved school. I went to grad school. Like I continued going to school after everyone else stopped, you know? Um, so I love teaching. I love being in that academic world. So I'll definitely, I'm for sure going to be continuing that even if I didn't necessarily need to like financially, cause like my my coaching business is doing well and I see it continuing to grow. So it's like, I could potentially just do the powerlifting coaching thing, but I just love that space, that academic space. So I definitely see myself continuing with that, but definitely nothing else necessarily. Um, I don't really have any other goals as far as like that goes. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, so I have a few, like, more rapid fire. You don't have to, like, answer in two seconds, but, like, quick questions to ask you. Who has the best Protestant Federation? Oh, see, my answer would be changing lately. I don't know, man. I still would say USPA just for my loyalty to them, but I'm telling you, they got to step it up. Step it up because who's doing better? <laughs> well, right now, my big critique is they're not doing enough to keep their drug tested lifters around. They're not putting, they're not doing money meets. They're not, like, they're not putting on good 
drug tested high level meats i kept being told that that was like the gold they were moving towards that and i haven't seen it so that's why i'm doing the wrpf meets next year because they're doing more for mm-hmm. the drug tested lifters um and that's why i'm yeah. considering yeah. usapl as well because again there's better showcases and money for drug tested athletes so Yep, I I love USPA. I have so many amazing friends that are running amazing meets, but I think at the top level there needs to be some work done to, uh, you know, keep that drug tested side growing and keep those lifters from leaving because a lot of us are uh, thinking about leaving. <laughs> Girl, I'm thinking how excited I am to see you in the USAPL in 2024. Like, I'm gonna be DMing you to try to get you in next year. Listen. <laughs> You just discovered the USPA ain't doing what they said. All right, you got two options now. You gonna come over? You gonna come over? At least for one meet, minimum, yeah, like one meet. Yeah, that's my totally. I've told myself I can't knock it till I've tried it. Right, so um, for sure would like to at least try out one soon and um, see how it goes. We'll see. What is your favorite thing about powerlifting? Community, the people friends i've made nice what is one thing you can't stand about powerlifting and it can't be that the drug test the uspa means they're not doing well <laughs> um uh, i don't know i think right now the there's some i would say like some of the uh, i don't know i don't want to word this like bad um, I, I think there is some, like, kind of toxicity, especially when you're, like, a lot of the online part of it. If Like, if you have a good community online, on Instagram, on TikTok, it's amazing, right, when you find that, like, good community of lifters. But there also can be a lot of negative, a lot of toxicity on the social media side of powerlifting, I will say. Very fair, very fair. Um, favorite, no. What genre of music should be played at meets? Uh, I'm gonna say metalcore because that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I always hear. I'm like, can we change it, please? No. All right, fine. Everybody wants like everyone wants something different, but I like. I want some angry music coming through. I don't want to be up there with some pop, you know, dance music. No, I want some. <laughs> I want some angry music. <laughs> I just want like shit up rap. Like I want to be able to rap the lyrics in my head while I'm going. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm down for some of that too. But I need, I need some hype, right? Like I don't want this just like pop, you know. It's, you know. I need something a little harder. Yes. That would not be not be cute. All right. And what are your goals for squat bench and deadlift for 2023? And the 90 kilo weight class. Yeah, so that's the thing. I we'll we'll see. I don't I would say next year I'd really like to hit like a 463 squat um a 230 i think i could get to 230 something on bench 231 236 maybe um and then deadlift i'm really um i'd really like to hit like 530 that's a big um goal for next year so 
I think those are all pretty achievable. I'm trying to not give myself too high in numbers. I know, like, going up a weight class is going to mess with leverages a little bit. Could, especially deadlift could throw some things off, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. We'll see. I'm trying to be... Trying to be realistic. <laughs> well, yeah. You're basically saying, like, 12 pounds on a squat, 10 pounds on bench, and, like, 18 pounds on deadlift. I think your bench might... Might potentially kind of explode. And, I, but I only say that because when I moved up a weight class, all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow. This is that's a lot the goal. Like, part of the reason I want to go up is because my bench is stalled, you know? So I know that gaining a little weight, letting myself hold a little more weight, not cutting, like, is going to help improve my bench. Um, but I'm also, I also know how hard it is for my bench to improve, so I'm not trying to give myself too unrealistic of expectations either. Nice. All right, last question. What is one piece of advice you would tell your younger self, let's say maybe like, I don't know, Brittany in college, that would help improve your life if you had known back then? A couple things. One for sure would be like gain some weight. Like don't be afraid to put on some weight. Like we kind of touched on that, but yeah, that culture of being a runner and everyone being so tiny and lean was not good for me mentally and I think if I had embraced myself being able to hold a little bit more weight gaining some weight sooner would have been a lot better for my mental health um and also I think just like speak my mind a little bit more I was very uh I did not want to oppose anyone I was always very like just go with the flow I still am kind of that way but I've really learned to, like, speak my mind a little bit more, stand up for myself a little bit more as I've gotten older. So for sure I would tell my younger self, like, hey, speak your mind. Like, speak up. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me. I had a lot of fun talking to you, girl. Yeah, this was so good. Awesome. If people want to contact you for coaching, how do they do that? Um, so if you find me on Instagram or TikTok, it's Brit B R I T T underscore Chown Strength. So C H O W N Strength. Um, I have links in both of those for my like online coaching questionnaire kind of inquiry thing. So um, that's kind of the main way to get a hold of me for coaching, or just send me an email or a DM too. That always works. Nice, nice. All right, Brittany, again, appreciate having you on. Y'all, I will catch you next time on the Power and Lifting Podcast. Congratulations, you made it to the end. Thank you so much for listening. Again, don't forget, share with a friend, leave a five-star review, leave a rating, and please push this to other people who you think will enjoy the podcast because that means that we get to teach more people about powerlifting and get them to hear stories of some awesome woman. Catch you on next time on the Power and Lifting Podcast.